I'm not going to say who was here last week because then it's always like the other people are like, well, listen, I love Jesus too. I just wasn't able to come. Um, uh, so I won't do that. But um, if you were here last week, um, I, it was good. It was really good. You missed it. Um, Susie was here. Was right. It was good. And so, <laughs> no, I, we, I talked about um, seasons and the whole idea of, of that God literally cre has created the earth around seasons. Am I right? Like, you know, even just the blatant winter, spring, summer, fall kind of a season. The moon goes, the moon goes down. There's rhythms in our world. The tides go in and out, in and out. Um, it's just the way he's designed it. And so we are no different. That he has created us for seasons. Ecclesiastes says that for everything there is a season. Um, and so we are, we are literally living, um, whether we like it or not, we live in seasons, right? You don't get to eject and like from, from winter or wherever you don't like. Um, you're in it whether you like it or not. You're on the earth. You may, you may fly to um, Arizona and be, what do they call them, snowbirds or something. Um, but, but you don't get to fully escape seasons. And, you know, there's, I've noticed that when we live life um, thinking that this is just one long adventure, one long chapter until I die, we, we have a lot of problems with that. We start to think, well, I haven't arrived yet. And so because, and because this, my life is just one long story, I have to judge it by its entirety. Whereas God has designed us to live in seasons also. Um, and so I, I, I love the idea of, of thinking about seasons versus seconds. We oftentimes live our, our lives by seconds. Like what's going, what's, what's, we wake up in the morning, all we can think about is about today, right? But it's really a healthy thing to recognize that you're in a season. Say, I'm in a season. I'm not convinced. Say it again. I'm in a season. Now you might be in a really good season. I'm in a season. Or you might be in a bad season, like, I'm in a season, you know. And so whether you're in a season or a season, like, it's just a season. But in each of these seasons, God has something for you. See, every season has a purpose for it. Does that make sense? The Christmas season has its own little purpose. The, even the season of Advent that we have, it's the, it's the expectation, it's the come of the king. And there's a, there's a waiting in that. And, and so the season has a reason. There's a reason for the season. There really is, though. And so we talked a lot about that last week. And um, I, I don't want to, oh gosh, how do I cut this down? Help me, Jesus. I don't like this season. But for reals, guys, there's so much here. Maybe I bit off too much. Should we take a vote? No, I'm <laughs> oh, Decisions like this are not my strong point, but we're just going to make a decision because a double-minded man should expect to receive nothing from the Lord, right? So we're going we're gonna to go for it. Um, which way do I go? All right, Lord, oh, I really don't know. It's okay, though. <laughs> Jesus. All right, I'm doing it. I hear the Lord. All right. We're not going to do the whole thing, I don't think, but, but forgive me if it feels rushed, okay? I want to get through some of this stuff. I don't want to finish half of it halfway through, okay? All right. Um, but I'm going to keep my stories a little bit shorter, all right? So forgive me. The joke won't be as plentiful, and the stories will be a little shorter. All right. 
I just hope it works. All right. Um, all right. So here's the deal. Here's one thing. We talked about seasons, but what I, was, I was, last time we talked about Joseph and we talked about Moses. If you remember, we talked about Joseph had a bunch of seasons, right? In fact, uh, Joseph had a season. Sometimes Joseph thought he was in a season he wasn't quite in. Joseph had a dream. And in the dream, his brothers and his dad were all bowing down to him. And Joseph thought, woohoo, I like this season. And then he got basically thrown into a ditch and left for dead. See, Joseph's season was not supposed, that season was not ready for 17 years from then. And so, and so I, I, I love talking about Joseph. And we talked about how Joseph had the season in the ditch. Joseph in Potiphar's house as a slave and then in the prison. And even Moses had different seasons. And we talked about, I really liked, I want to, if you, haven't, if you didn't remember this, I really like this point. That, that if you looked at Moses or Joseph, and imagine Moses, and you thought Moses' season, we're going to talk about Moses in a minute. But imagine we take Moses' season when he was, uh, let's just say, um, when Moses was uh, um, in the wilderness tending sheep, right? Just in solitude. And you looked at Moses' life and you're like, gosh, Moses didn't really need to go through a solitude. Let's just, I wish, we didn't really need that season. But if we were to ever look at a season, one of these, these is like, like David's life, right? Would you ever say David didn't really need to tend the flock for those years, Right? You'd think, no, he needed to because how else would he learn to have intimacy with the Lord that knows he could fight the giant, right? But we, we would never look at one of David, we never look at David's season of fighting Goliath and say, that wasn't necessary. We'll just take that. And, but how often do we hate the season we're in or wish that we, 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 we move through the season quicker? Okay, and so, but the reality is when you look at it from that perspective, it just looks silly that you would ever eject out of a season too early. Right? Imagine if David ejected out of the season too early, he gets to Goliath, and, and David's like, I don't even know what, how to, what is this, a sling? I've never used one of these. Why? Because he learned to use it in the field. And so the seasons that we're in right now, they're incredibly crucial. Um, I, I came across a really great book that I was reading, and I, I felt like it was super helpful. And what it did was it outlined the stages or the seasons of Moses, okay? So I think we can use our time really helpful. I, I tend to like structure for my life because it helps me understand, uh, helps me give name to certain things. Have you guys ever taken a personality assessment or a, like Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, or DISC test, right? Some of y'all. Here's what I like. Some of you guys are like, like I'm just like Jesus. I don't need a, uh, a strength finder. I don't need a personality test. I have Jesus' personality. It's in the Bible. I believe it, right? So, but reality, for the rest of us, when you read somebody tell you what, you know, how you're, I'm an ENFP or, a, you know, T9, whatever, like, <laughs> there's no T9. And so, and so <laughs> I laugh at that. Anyway, and so when you, when you read it, it's like, it's like, you are a strong, supportive, joyful person that that's good at doing consistent tasks over again. You like rhythms and, or you like, maybe you're like, uh, maybe you're like Joan. Like, I like big picture things that are amazing. Maybe, I don't know what you're like, but, you know, if you're like my wife, like, you like to be challenged and you like to do hard things. Like, that's my wife. She is a dominant personality. If you look at them, their dominance, it's like, <laughs> but so when you start to hear these things, you recognize what you're like and it helps you give grace to yourself. Does that make sense? You're like, oh, that is me. Like, I do like to do things with rhythm. Or, or, no, I hate it when I have to do the same thing over and over again. Right? And so when we, give, when we start to call out what they, if we start to give them a personality and name, it, it's not to put you in a box or tell you you have to be like this, but it's to give you a grace that you can begin to own some of these things that God's trying to show you anyway. 
Okay, so we're going to start talking about some of the seasons of growth, the, uh, or the stages of growth as I'm going to talk about today. And I have slides too, that, so it's going to be rad. Okay, and so we, at, at the same time, I, I uh, see this is probably going to cut stuff out. Okay, mm. that would have been fun, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> now you're just going to wonder. Um, <laughs> all right, Numbers 33, 1 and 2. I'll let you know when the first slide comes up, uh, uh, Brian. Numbers 33, 1 and 2. As we talk about Moses, the Bible actually says here are the stages of Moses. It says this in uh, 33, 1 and 2 in Numbers. Here are the stages in the journey of the Israelites when they came out of Egypt by division under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's command, Moses recorded the stages. He actually wrote them down. Um, of their journey. And this is their, this is their journey by stages. That's the word. I love that. So we're already, the Bible already talks about um, Moses' journey in stages. So we're going to jump into this. You guys ready? Now these are mostly metaphors. My, I encourage you as I go through these, I want you to wonder, like, gosh, is that my, I'm, I'm, am I in that stage? What resonates with it? And if you don't resonate with any of the stages, it just gives you a heart to understand others, other people. That's great too. Um, Okay, first slide. So the first stage, you guys good? You with me? All right. It's going to be good. My wife said it was good. All right. The first one, stage one is, is pre-awareness. Now, um, I, I want to read the scripture. Let's do this one. So pre-awareness, this is, this is like, if you, were, if, you were a new, if you were an unbeliever, this would be your stage before you get saved maybe. That you don't know that there is a God. You don't know there's something better. So I'm just kind of, uh, forgive me, fat, dumb, and happy. Like I'm just happy to go through life without knowing there's salvation. Without knowing there's something better. Without knowing that there's freedom for me. And so there's plenty of us that are in bondage that we don't really know it. So it's a pre-awareness. Um, it says this uh, in Exodus 1, 6, 7. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. And so this is the time that Joseph, um, Joseph has died, but the Israelites were just exploding. They were very excited because their generation was flourishing. But we know what's about to happen, don't we? Right? So let's go to the next. So stage two is awareness. Eventually, something will happen that makes us, that makes us wake up and we realize that, that, that we, our soul, is longing for something more. Maybe a single event. Might be a slow transition thing for you. But for the Israelites, it was, it was when the Egyptians, no longer, who no longer loved G, uh, Joseph, realized that the Jews were getting a little bit too abundant. Right? And so what happened was they, they, be, they actually killed all the firstborn boys of, of the Jews. This is where Moses story comes into play, like he was saved, right? And so this was kind of like this slowly away, oh, um, the Jews were beginning to realize, I think we're going to, I think this is a bad situation, right? And so this is a, a quote from uh, the, uh, the author of the book, actually, she's a, um, you should look her up, she's wonderful, but it says, when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing, we are ripe for making a move. But isn't that the truth that when we know there needs to be a change in our life, but it doesn't quite hurt enough to move forward into something new, right? And that's usually, it's, it's, it's usually, what do they say, stupid should hurt, right? Am I allowed to say that in church? I, there's certain things I can't say. I, I guess I'll wait for the Yelp review, but um, I have literally had a Yelp review where I used, um, no, I can't say it, can I? Um, no, I can't. But it wasn't, it wasn't like the F word. It was, it was I, I said frickin'. And so, um, 
freaking freak. I was in the Navy. And so in the Navy, as an officer, you're not supposed to cuss. So everybody just says that word. And apparently it's better. Um, but I'm not allowed to use it in my house anymore. So I don't think. Maybe I could use it here instead. But I got a Yelp, I got a Yelp review. I really did. They said, the pastor said this word, and so I'm not coming back. And I'm like, okay, don't come back. We're not friends. Okay, so. <laughs> so there's this awareness. And you guys, honestly, like, this, this is the Lord. Like, the Lord, like, will literally, he will let you walk through stupid until, until you, it hurts. Right? How many guys have, like, you're just like, okay, I'm done. Right? How many guys have ever stayed in a job way too long? Right? How many guys have ever stayed with, with, with a boy way too long, with a girl too long? Right? Like, that stuff's real. I could tell stories. Right? Oh, my sister had a really bad situation of this, and it was just bad, and it gets ugly, so I'm not going to share the story, both for your sake and for time's sake. But but listen, it's, it's not until we really encounter a wall or something and we enter into the stage of awareness. Okay? Okay, let me see what I want to share about that. I think that's great. Let's go on. Um, and, and so what's the point of me sharing this? My point is that if you've never known a, that it, it, when you're walking through stages, sometimes you're in the middle of a season and you're like, you're just, you can't see anything, right? And so when you're in the middle of it, like it's like being in the middle of a storm and not knowing how to get out. And so I'm hoping that some of these are small lifelines for you to grab a hold of. And if it's not for you, I want you to recognize this stuff for the people that you lead. Because you guys are going to be leading people out of wildernesses. You're going to be leading people out of captivity, into freedom. Some of you guys already are, for sure. And so if this is just another tool in your belt, you can tell them that say, you know what, I... This is not a big deal. This is just the awareness stage. Well, it hurts. Of course it hurts. It's supposed to hurt. Do you want freedom? Yeah, I want freedom. Let's go. Does that make sense? All right, so the next stage is stage three, the turning point. There's no scripture for this, but just sometimes this is the point where something has to change, has to break. For, for Moses... Uh, for Moses, this, is, this was part of that place where Moses is realizing, he's, he's growing up and he's, he realizes he's in the house of the Egyptians, but his people are Jews. And he's realized, he's, just, he's conflicted, right? And it begins to get more and more painful inside. And so Moses hits this awareness stage, which quickly turns into the turning point because he kills this Egyptian guard, right? I'm not getting the scriptures too much right now, but what he does, he kills this Egyptian guard um, and, and the Jews that are, the Israelites, his people that are watching, they literally say, Moses, we didn't tell you to do this. Why did you do, you made it worse. And so they're literally angry at him. And so Moses has this turning point where literally, what does he do? He runs. And where does he run? He runs into the wilderness. And so that launches him into another season, another part of the stage where he's at. And so I don't know what the turning point for you, for him, it was that point. Um, and verse stage four is the roundabout way. It's kind of a fun way of putting it. Um, but this is, this is the moment when, when we begin to move forward towards freedom. I'll, I'll read the Exodus 13, 17, 18. It says, when the Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistine country. Although that was nearer for God said, if the people face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people by roundabout way of the wilderness. And so it's in, it's in this stage 
that God begins to walk you through freedom, walk you into freedom. And so you might be wondering, like, man, this is taking a long time. Why do I, why can't I just go right into freedom? And so I just, some, if this gives, if this is for one or two of you, it, it's because there's stuff for you to grow in. Last week I prayed over you and, I, and I, had, I asked you this question. What can God be for you in this season, in this stage, that he can't be for you in any other stage? For the, Israel, for the Israelites, they were, they were leaving captivity and God knew they were fragile. And if they walked them through the, uh, the Philistine country and they saw these Philistines, they'd rush back into captivity. And so God might have you in a long season on purpose. It's God's kindness that he does not lead you directly into your dreams. It's his kindness that you are not ready for the calling on your life. But you're ready for this. Wherever you're at right now, you're ready for it. But you're not ready for what he really has planned for you, right? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for him, right? He's got dreams, he's got plans to prosper you. And we're like, I'm ready, right? Last week we talked about Peter and Jesus says, says you, where I'm going, you can't come with me now. And Peter says, why can't I come with you now? And you can imagine Peter saying, Jesus, now, this is perfect timing, everything's perfect. Look at me. I'm, I am ready. And Jesus says, you can't come with me now. And it wasn't till after they meet with them on the beachhead after Jesus resurrected already that then Jesus says, you're ready. Feed my sheep. But it took Peter. <laughs> Peter was ready. No, he wasn't ready. Jesus, will you give your life to me? Oh, I'll die for you, Jesus. Will you? Will you? Or will a 12-year-old girl convict you to run? And so listen, we, we, we think we're ready. We think we're like, prepare. Look at, my, look at my bank account, God. My bank, I'm really ready. Like, no, you're not ready. I don't care what metric you think. You, God is still preparing you. And that's good news. That's really good news because you're right where you're supposed to be. And by the way, has anybody told you there's no finish line? So wherever, thing, wherever destination you're preparing yourself for, I want you to know you're just on a journey with him. With stages. Okay, so the next stage. <laughs> Literally, you guys, I just say things that go through my head sometimes. I'm sorry. Okay, where are we at? We stage, there we go. Oh, this was so fun. So Exodus 14.1, I don't have a scripture. I don't, I don't have it up there. It's not on the slide. But I love that the Lord said, that literally like, Everybody else might think that you're just wandering around playing Christian or, or, or just working on your stuff. Like, man, is, is he ever going to get free? He's just wandering. Listen, I love it. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pihara and meeting Megal in the sea. I'm not going to pronounce that. And then, <laughs> and then it says, it says there, they are to camp by the sea directly opposite of Baal. And then, and then verse 3 of Exodus 14, 3, it says this. Pharaoh will think that the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. That literally God is like confusing the enemy. So the enemy's looking at the Israelites saying like, look at them, they don't know where they're going. They're just wandering around. I'm gonna take them out like nobody's business. See God, it might look like to yourself that you're just wandering around. But listen, God, you are following him. 
Right? You're like, God, I figure I've walked around this once before. And God's like, nah, you're following me around this mountain. We're going up. So I just, I thought that was a great thing. I, honestly, I never saw it in the scripture, so I had to say it, even though we don't have a lot of time left. All right, stage five. Let's go. Times of testing. See, the, we, we are, are going to go through times of testing. So there, are, there is a stage where you're going to go through times of testing. All right? And uh, if you're in a time of testing, I want you to just take a deep breath and thank the Lord for that. Because this is where you grow strong. God, the times of testing are not to crush you. They're to build you. They're not to crush you. They're to build you. And you might wake up thinking that it's crushing you. But the only difference between a, a, a trial testing you and crushing you is your ability to say, Lord, I want to be built. I receive this. I'm being built up. Because the moment you agree that this is crushing you is the moment that you stop wondering why God's doing this. And what are you building in me in this season, God? What are you doing in this season you couldn't do for me last season, God? I want to know because I want to be strong and courageous. And so these times of testing, it says this. It says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites were walking through this horrible challenge, time of testing. And whose fault was it? The Lord. The Lord has actually created this whole challenge. He told Moses to go set his people free, right? So who, who brought this challenge upon the Israelites? The Lord did. Now I know some of you guys, like, it's not, listen, your, your, your tire burst on the freeway. It's because you didn't buy a new tire when you knew you should have, right? This is not your testing moment. This is you realizing you should have bought new tires. Um, but, but sometimes it is the Lord leading through trials. And so the hardest thing to do sometimes is embrace the trial. Am I right? I mean, it's just like, yes, Lord, prune me more. <laughs> no, said nobody ever, right? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> By the way, I did say last, last Saturday, I said, this too shall pass, as it says in the word. It does not say that in the word. My wife literally heard that and looked it up, and, and she let me know that it does not say that in the Bible. But it does say that trials will only last temporarily in 1 Corinthians. So there. Um, Anyway, to be honest, I've got to own my stuff. Times of testing. It's good. I read this, I, I think I posted, but I just read it back. I love this. It says, don't look back and wish things were quieter. Don't look back at better times or different seasons that you were in and wish that, gosh, I wish it was like, wish it was quiet like that. And the Israelites were certain that the quiet life of slavery was worth abandoning their quest for freedom and transformation. The Israelites begged Moses, take us back. But they didn't see what was ahead. They didn't see that they were about to walk to one of the greatest miracles in history. One of the greatest moments of just, ah, the oceans, like I've never seen that happen ever since. And what I feel like is sometimes we can take trials and challenges personally. And what I mean by that is we think we did it. We think like, what did I, I must have messed up. This must, I must have done something wrong that caused this to happen to me. 
Have you ever, <laughs> am I alone on that one, right? Come on, in the back, I see you. <laughs> Don't take trials personally. They're not personal. They're not personal. It's the plant that is pruned need not take it personally that's being pruned back. Like that'd be silly. Oh, there's a great quote. Oh, I love this quote. I'm not going to sing the reason, but I'm going to say the quote. Donald Miller said this. All the trees are losing their leaves and not one of them is worried. All the trees lose their leaves and not one tree is worried about it. Why? It's just a season. I'm done. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so <laughs> but let's keep moving. All right. <laughs> we still have fun. I like it. All right, times of testing, stage five. No, we did that. Stage six, learning to keep still. Oh, this is the good part. Moses spent a lot of time in stillness. We don't talk about that, do we? We talk about him parting the sea and, you know, being a man of boldness and taking risk and leading millions and all this stuff, you know, being in the tabernacle and the tent of meeting. But you know what gave Moses the ability to walk through that stage, that season? It's because he spent plenty of time alone in the wilderness like David did, tending sheep. And so it's in the times of stillness that will actually prepare you. It's the time that you spend before the kids get up. Amen. It's, it's, the, it's the time you spend in your car before you get into work and you got because you got there a little early because you knew you'd need to get quiet before the Lord. It's those times when God begins to really mature you. You guys ever spent time with someone that just carries rest? You, those people are different. You just want to like hang out with them more. You know how they got that way? Not by going to conferences. I'm sure they might have gone to them. I, mean, I saw them there. But they get it because when they're not around you, they're alone with the Lord. And they're quiet with the Lord. They're not just waving their hands. Listen, I'm the chief waving of hands person. You've seen me. But it's when you get alone with them and quiet. It's like that's where true Christians are made. That's where your courage is formed. And I love this. Learning to be still. And so I, I read this at the beginning. I'll just read, read, read the end where they basically, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will not see again. That's a good word for whatever trial you're seeking now. But it says this, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. To be still and know that I am God, right? Be still. And stillness is a, whoo, it's a scarce resource these days, isn't it? You're like, Jesse, stop talking about stillness. I get it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> we don't. It was, it was Moses' ability to rest in God's presence that allowed him to operate when there was no stillness. Do you know what I mean? Some say it about Jesus that if you, if you can rest in the storm, you can have authority over it. Do you ever hear that? And so it was Jesus' ability to rest when there was a storm and all the other apostles were just like, ah, we didn't spend any time alone today, God. <laughs> so let's, let's go to the next one. Verse, stage six, are we there? Oh, nope, we're in stage seven. Last one, it's the last one. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
It says, I wrote this down, because we have met God in the waiting place, waiting for him, rather than, rather than meeting God in the panic or in the anxiety or thinking things should be better or why am I here, God, and she didn't have to go through this trial, but I do. Because we met God in the waiting place, we are able to stand firm and believe God when things get real. That Moses' greatest training came from spending time alone with God and it's no different for us. I love the scripture, and uh, I don't think I have it up there. Moses waited. Um, when Moses waited in the wilderness after, God, after he ran out of Egypt, um, he saw the burning bush, right? And he had the call on his life from the burning bush. And, and it would have been years after that call that he actually went back into Egypt to fulfill that calling. It would have been years. And I love that the Lord said this to him in, in uh, Exodus 4.19, if you want to look it up. God said to him, go back to Egypt, for all those who were seeking your life are dead. Man, if you have to wait for that, I say go for it. But that's a long time to wait. Just wait for everybody to die. And then I'll go back, right? You know what's interesting? It's interesting. That's the exact same thing that the angel said to Mary and Joseph. Isn't that interesting? Mary and Joseph had Jesus the Savior of the world. And then they, they hid out, right, and waited, and waited. We don't know what they did. But they hung low, they waited, they, they meditated on what the heck it means to give birth to the Messiah, right? They had some thinking to do. And then it, when the time was right, the angel said, go back to the land of Israel because everyone seeking to kill the child is dead. I think that's fascinating. There's a quote on here, and I'll, I'll probably end with this because it's, it's definitely time. Um, the last quote, you want to throw it up there? Can you guys read that? Oh, yeah, you can. You're good. All right. So Richard Rohr, uh, he's a, I guess he's a philosopher, author, speaker. I don't know exactly what he does, but he's, he's, I, I, lo I, love, I love reading quotes and, and about him. It, it says this. It says that this, this waiting place is called, a, he calls it the liminal space from the word limina, which means threshold. That's right, up there, good. And he writes this, you can follow along. It's a unique spiritual position, position where human beings hate to be, but where the biblical God is always leading them, this waiting place. It is when you have left the tried and the true, but have not yet been able to replace it with anything else. It is when you are finally out of the way. It is when you are between your old comfort zone and any possible new answer. If you are not trained in how to hold anxiety, how to live with ambiguity, how to entrust and wait, you will run. Anything to flee this terrible cloud of unknowing. And so God calls us into the waiting place because it's the only way to not run. I love it. It says, this, it, <laughs> it is when you are finally out of the way. It's when you stop taking control of it. If you've taken your hands off, whatever situation you've been battling, whatever stage you're in, it's when you are between your old comfort zone, oh man, that's familiar, right? And any possible new answer, which we're dying to get. I remember sitting down with people and they're like, I just don't know what to do. I haven't heard his voice. And it's killing me. What do you do? 
Well, you wait. If you are not trained in how to hold anxiety, how to live with ambiguity, man, that's a tough one, not knowing. How to entrust and wait, you will run. Anything to flee this terrible cloud of unknowing. Chris Valentin talked about us one time. I love, and I, just, I wrote down the quote because I was, I was remembering it. It's like in between your callings that God closed one door and he opens another. But it's hell in the hallway. It's, he's taking me out of the familiar, my last season. And I know there's something coming. How many of you guys just know you're meant for something really good? Right? You maybe even read, you're like, what is it? Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I can't say it now. I'm going to get text messaged by my wife. Um, oh, gosh, I'm blanking. 2911. No, what is it? Jeremiah 2911. Thank you. I'm a pastor, I promise. <laughs> Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have you, plans to prosper, to give you hope, not to tear you down. Like, I'm like, yes, 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 and? Will you wait? Will you wait? The door is open for you. Like, that's, that's the hope we have. His goodness is that the door is open. It's your next season is coming. But don't, don't rush into it. Guys, literally I had six different, seven different, different things to notice when you're living in a season. Um, and I just, I don't know, we are not getting there. Um, I trust you. I trust you to get through this season without my help. Uh, you've got the great helper. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? Let me pray for us. Before I do it, let me just let me just question. How many of you guys saw, how many of you guys saw yourself in one of these stages? Just raise your hand. I'm just curious. Did one, maybe just one of them really resonated with you? How many of you guys saw the stage that somebody else that you know and love is going through? You ever, did some of you guys, cool, you're, you're leading. <laughs> you can't point to your wife. It just doesn't work that way. Like, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> They're all just like, it's a Dumb and Dumber movie, right? Like, <laughs> who would the, sorry. Kick his ass, Seabass. All right, sorry. <laughs> I can't say that either. Sorry. <laughs> Literally, it comes through my, and I just say it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Listen, if we can't have fun, I'm out. Um, all right, but seriously, let me pray. Let me pray. Can I have the worship team? Or not the worship team. We're way past that. Can I have the prayer team up here? We missed that. We missed that door a while ago. Um, Stephen's on the front row ready, though. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> if you're a part of the prayer team, come on up here. I, honestly, I, if you are having a hard time waiting, come up and get prayer. If, um, I hope this maybe just unlocked a, a, a pocket of grace for you. Maybe a new wind to walk through this. The Lord does not want to crush you, Okay. Um, although T.D. Jakes did write a book called The Crushing. But, but he doesn't really want to physically destroy you. He wants to build you up. He wants, he wants you to walk through the crushing season, but he wants oil to come out, right? He wants you to get oil for this next season, which is really good. All right, I'm going to stop talking. Lord, I just thank you, God. Lord, we give you, we just, all eyes are on you right now, God. All eyes are on you. We are more excited about your leadership 
through the season than we are worried about the season. Let's just say that. Repeat after me. Say this. this. I am more excited about your leadership than I am worried about this season. Let's say it again. I am more excited about your leadership than I am worried about this season. Father, help us get our hopes up. Help us get excited about walking through this season. And if anything, just help us get through it. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, don't stop. Keep walking. And so we love you, God, and we're so thankful that you're leading and guiding us, God. Amen.